Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, everybody. I'm Dana Crawford. And I am still Wayne Jordan. (laughs) In today's episode, number 55 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about teacups. Teacups. You know, whenever I think of teacups, I think of Alice in Wonderland and the Tea Party. Right. First thing I think of is um, Walt Disney World and the teacup saucer ride. Right. Yeah. Are you a tea drinker, Dana? I am not a tea drinker. I do like to switch it up at Starbucks now and then and get a chai mm-hmm. tea, but right. Right. I'd still prefer my latte. Right. I guess you could count chai as tea. <laughs> <laughs> Depending. My wife and I, when we first got married for, gosh, years, we were tea drinkers, and there was an entire ritual of how the water should be boiled and how long it should steep and use a teapot and teacups and trying different types of tea leaves and that sort of thing. We finally just got tired of all that <laughs> and switched to coffee. Yes, went to the hard stuff and, and uh, you know, have a big mug of coffee in the morning. But even coffee can get to be a ritual for a lot of people, you know, with French presses and and grinding their own beans at home and all that. And I tried it for a while, but now it's, you know, now it's me and my Mr. Coffee. (laughs) It's just easier. And tea, I still like tea. I still drink tea from time to time, but I no longer brew it in a tea, uh, in a teapot. Sure. I just, you know, take tea bags and stick it in a cup. And I'm not as particular about how the water is boiled or anything (laughs) like that. But uh, Yeah, I have a ninja... Uh, coffee slash tea maker and uh-huh. it's and it also does um so i do have the tea leaves that i put in to make fresh tea hot tea right, right. so i do have i do that once maybe <laughs> once every three months or something uh-huh. but otherwise i don't do it that often but it it i can see the difference so I understand what you went through with trying to get that perfect cup of tea, but I still prefer it in my coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of that, how do you tell the difference between a teacup and a coffee cup? Because I'm, I'm sure that there are people that don't care, don't know the difference, and and may not want to. But if you're out picking... Mm-hmm. You need to know the difference because there will sure. be you'll pay a different price and you'll sell it for a different price and you'll have different customers. So how do you tell the difference between a teacup and a coffee cup? Well, basically, I mean a teacup is dainty, <laughs> a little more fragile than um, a coffee mug. Coffee mugs more durable and you know heavy. But tea teacups tend to be, you know, where you hold out your pinky to hold them up. (laughs) (laughs) Hold out your pinky, huh? Your little (laughs) finger. Yeah, teacup, you're right about them being more dainty. They're just made that way. Teacups are attractive to look at. They're most often 
they're flared at the top. They have a little mm-hmm. curve to them, and the handle is placed higher on the, the cup. And I guess that makes room to stick your pinky out, but <laughs> I've never trusted it. I like to have a good grip on my, on my uh, <laughs> teacup. When you use your teacup, do you use a saucer? Yes, I I like a saucer because, of course, I have sugar and I like milk in my tea. So I do have a spoon and the saucer, you know, is is convenient for that alongside a cookie. Oh, well, of course, you know, that's very British of you, tea and biscuits. Yes, when it's tea time, that you definitely need a a Crawford cracker or some type of a biscuit. Uh That's right. That's right. When you're out uh, picking and looking around at things, what makes you go to a teacup? What kind of teacups get your attention and what do you look for when you find teacups? Sure. So like when I go to a garage sale, for example, if I, I walk in and I scan the table and a teacup will catch my eye if it's on the saucer and it's has unique... Um, kind of flowers on it, or it has a familiar kind of pattern that Uh I know um, I've had good experience with selling anything with roses or pink, you know, type of patterns or um, apples, you know, something with apples usually catches my eye, but I will definitely also, I pay attention to how white it is if they're white or if they're um, a pale, sometimes you can tell if it's a pale or a dull kind of finish, then chances are it's from the Dollar Tree or it's, you know, you can tell just by the finish at a quick glance. Right. How do you tell the difference between, say, bone china and, and fine china? That's a good one. I mean, I I don't I can't tell the difference with my eye other than the whiteness and the thinness when I pick it up, but when I flip it over, that's when I find out. Ah, <laughs> uh, the mark on the bottom. Yes, yeah. Well, that's probably one of the most important things is sure. is to look for who made it. And some brands are just more expensive than others. There are uh, books available where you can find libraries of marks. There are, you can find them online. The best source for me, the one that I go to most often, is the Worth Point Marks Library. On the website, it's uh, the, the menu item says MAPS, N A P S, but that stands for Marks, Autographs, Patterns, and Symbols, and has nothing to do with geography. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's a good source too. But yeah, you're right. And for me, you mentioned going to yard sales. Sometimes it's really difficult for me to see teacups well enough at a garage sale to make a decision about them. If, for example, on a on a bright sunny day, uh, that's a good time to go and look at at teacups because when you hold a teacup up to the light, if you run your hand uh, behind the cup, if you can kind of see the shadows of, of your fingers, if, there's, if it's slightly translucent, uh, then chances are you've got a bone china cup. If you can't see through it, 
and it's very and it's thinner and it's more dainty than it may be fine china, but you don't know for sure until you flip it over and look at the name on it. And if it says made in China, that doesn't mean it's Chinese porcelain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it says made in China, it doesn't mean it's fine china. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a completely different animal. First of all, I don't buy single cups because I don't collect them. But I will buy partial sets and mm -hmm. I will buy complete sets, you know, which sure. would be the teapot and at least four cups and saucers, six to eight would be better, and a container for sugar and a little pitcher or something for milk. So that would be a complete set. And I'll, I'll buy those or if it's a partial set, because very often you can make more money selling online, selling them individually than selling them in a set. Absolutely. When I was an auctioneer uh, actively, and would do an estate sale, I preferred to sell tea sets and teacups and that thing, that sort of thing, went much better at in, say, a tag sale atmosphere. If I was doing a sale in the winter when you couldn't bring everything outside into the yard and auction it off live, it would be better inside. And I like doing that, and I like buying in that circumstance better because you can check for repairs. Sure. Things that have been damaged. I have a what I call my uh, picker's field kit with items in it, tools and, and solvents and such to be able to evaluate the things that I find. My most useful tool is, it's like a small flashlight, and it's, it's a black light. Mm -hmm. You can find all kinds, you can use black light on textiles and artwork and glass and porcelain sure. and cast iron, all kinds of things. But you can't use that at a yard sale on a bright, sunny day. Right. You know, you just can't. You need, you need it to be darker. So that's best done inside would be to use that to inspect there. But it's easy to see. If I pick up a cup and I inspect it and I suspect that it's been repaired, Black light will tell you for sure if you okay. can get if you can get in a dark area because modern paints and modern glues and mm -hmm. modern dyes all that sort of thing will fluoresce ah. under a black light. It'll just it'll stand out. Great, that's a great tip, Wayne. I I carry a black light with me when I travel, but that's to check my hotel room with. What kind of hotels are you staying in, Dana? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it works good, but it does show up, you know, any any damage. But I love that idea. Okay, Dana. Well, this is a good spot to take a break for a word from our sponsors. So let's do that, and we'll be right back. Have you ever bought an item to resell, got it home, and discovered that it wasn't what you thought it was? With WorthPoint's encyclopedia of marks, autographs, patterns, and symbols, you'll always know what you have and what it's worth. Find over 150,000 identifiers updated weekly, covering glass, china, coins, currency, tools, and more. Don't waste your time and money. Use WorthPoint. For a 7-day, seven 7-lookup seven free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, and we're talking about finding and flipping teacups. When I go to check out a teacup or any type of glass, the first thing I do is 
you know, rub my finger very carefully around the edges. Right. And that's my first. And I have, I'll be honest with you, I've bought teacups before, ran my finger around the top, ran my finger around the saucer, got home, and then discovered that the handle had been repaired. Right. You know, a good repair is really, really hard to spot. And the materials that they're using these days are so much better than they were a couple of generations ago. And it's just they're just getting harder and harder to find. And that's why I take Blacklight. Another way to tell if it's if something has been repaired, crack or broken handle, something like that, if you set it on a hard, flat surface and just kind of tap it with something hard like you know, popsicle stick. That's one of the things I carry in my little kit. A pop because okay. I, I don't want to hit it with a spoon, and I might crack it. But something that will give it a definite ring, and it can be anything. It can be a pocket knife, anything to give it a nice, distinct ring. And if you're going around it and you hear a thump, then there's then it's been repaired. It's like trying wow. to find the the studs in your wall, the old fashioned way yeah. with a hand, where you go around and knock on the on the wall and or hear a difference in sound. So that's one way to do that. And there are other things to look for besides cracks. They, they can be crazed. It will mm. look like surface cracks, but they won't go all the way through. Sure. And porcelain ceramics are glazed items. So stoneware, other things have glazing on it. And glazing expands and contracts with changes in temperature. Some things mm -hmm. expand or contract faster than others. And in China, stoneware, that kind of, anything with a glaze on it, uh, the glaze expands at a different rate than the hardened clay. And when it when the that outside layer of glaze moves uh, and the inside layer doesn't, you're going to get uh, crazing in it. There's, there's a little minor uh, surface they're not cracks, really. They're... I call them age. Like... Right. Age. I'll say age marks, age marks, or crazing. And sometimes that's okay. It's okay if it has some, some crazing. And sometimes it actually helps sell it because people like that patina. They like the, you know, the look of it. Another thing that's interesting, and I've made this mistake before. I think over the past 50 years, I've made every mistake there is to make, but... <laughs> But uh, I'd buy a, a, a teacup and a saucer uh, or a set, and then upon closer inspection, realize that although the patterns were very similar, the saucer did not go with that cup. Yes. And that, that can be an issue, too. Yes, that's a very good point. I have I have had that happen as well. <laughs> so I, I can relate to that. And sometimes... It's okay because sometimes you can get away with selling those separately. And that's why research is so important. Sometimes people are just looking for the saucers of, you know, to go with their cups or, you know, replacements. Sure. Replacements.com is a good place also for mm -hmm. um, the type of identifications. I don't think it's a good place to get value because they have different strategies for pricing than you know, than we do as, as resellers, but it is a good place for, um, identification besides the WordPoint library also holds some amazing books on, on teacups and fine China. Right. Is there any 
thing that just gets your picker's bells ringing when you see it? Well, besides the roses, mm-hmm. you know, the rose patterns and the style of the the cup. Right. That's, you know, the style. Roses will catch my eye right away because right. I've generally done extremely well with rose, anything rose patterns. Mm-hmm. And especially white roses. Right. And also, the other thing that catches my eye is if it has that gold or silver around the rim. So if it has like gilded around the top or around the edges, and then at that point, if I notice notice gold or or silver around the top or the bottom, then the next thing I pay attention to are the rubbings. Which, right. you know, if there's an area where, you know, you constantly drink out of, if that's all rubbed off, right. the value is going to change if it's worn down in different areas. The other thing that catches my eye are the the types that are glass, like Fusteria or brands like that, that are classic glass. Because you don't see those as often, and if they're red or green or blue or they're interesting you know, bold colors with maybe thumbprints around them or or something like that is going to catch my eye as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. What gets my bells ringing, and as I said, I, I prefer to buy sets or partial sets rather than mm-hmm. individual items. But if I see something that's marked Occupied Japan, mm-hmm. I'm all over it. I don't care what the pattern is. I don't care if it's got a saucer because uh, that's a whole other collecting sure. uh, approach is people collect things that were manufactured in occupied Japan. Japan right after World War II when uh, U.S. and Allied troops were there. Now, there's some teacups. I mean, they like the Royal Worcester. 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 <laughs> Worcester. Worcester. I say it Worcester. But no, but <laughs> oh, like you the mean sauce. you mean like the sauce? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but those those have unique patterns as well. That you know they're royal, of course, mm-hmm. and they have what's called a dragon handle. So there's different terms for handles as well, and you know you might want to familiarize yourself with the different types of handles that are on teacups so if i see something and it has an odd handle that's going to catch my eye too mhm so teacups are still being manufactured today yes and many of them look just like the older ones have the same or similar patterns that sort of thing how do you know the difference between uh, an antique teacup and a modern teacup. Well, of course, the patina is going to be the clue, but and then also the pattern. I mean, you can kind of I can tell anyhow at a modern rose versus an antique rose that's on a on a plate or a, a cup, mm-hmm. and how they're signed. You know, you can, I don't know, you kind of just learn to be able to tell whether it's a dollar store. So if you find something that uh, is purported to be Occupied Japan and flip it over and it says Made in China, 
<laughs> That's a dead giveaway right there. <laughs> Absolutely. And then some of them come in gift boxes as well. And I've been fooled where I've bought, oh, this is so cute. And I didn't look it up. And it comes in a cute little gift box. And it has everything packaged like that. And then, of course, it's not as valuable as I thought. It was just a cute gimmick or whatever. And it was made in China. But it wasn't really China. <laughs> right. It wasn't fine China. And they're a dime a dozen when right. they come in gift boxes, unless the gift box, of course, is stamped. I call it Hermes, but it's... Hermes. Hermes. Then that's a different kettle of fish. Well, aren't isn't Hermes made in Worcestershire? <laughs> Rumor has it that... <laughs> Yeah, they do put out a gift set that comes in a in a beautiful one of their classic orange boxes, a cup and saucer, and they do have uh, a beautiful set that sells for you know eight hundred bucks on up. I think teacup collectors are about as fanatical a group of collectors as I've ever seen. I've been into houses that were that have entire walls of shells with just individual teacups. Wow. So there's there's a market out there. There's a group of dedicated collectors and as long as they're around, if you can go to eBay and if are interested in teacups and and just look at the sold items and see what it is that people are buying. Right. That that'll clue you in very well as to, to what you should be looking for. Uh, when you're out picking. And of course, it's like anything else. After a while, you develop an eye for what to buy. Like you you instinctively uh, look for age and wear marks and you know where to look. And when we were in, um, we did our treasure hunt with Worth Point in Hamburg, New York. There was a booth there that the lady sold antiques, but she also had a collection of teacups, but they were teacups that weren't, um, you know, high end, but what she did was she put them on a stick. So she had the saucer flat on a stick. So she made some type of a, a device to hold it. And then the teacup was like glued on onto the teacup and they were yard ornaments <laughs> and they were so cute. What were they made of? They were made from teacups, classic I mean, like teacups. <laughs> porcelain, china teacups. She glass mostly teacups. glass. She had glass ones, so they che were pretty. Cheaper ones, right? Yes, and okay. then um, actually, I I took a picture of it. I'll include it on the page on on for this episode at Worth Point for their um, the the post at Worth Point. If you look under media, you'll see the post on teacups, and I'll put a picture of it there. Mm -hmm. Cool. There's a lot of craft, you know, craft things that you can do. Okay, Dana, uh, I'm looking at the clock on the wall, and it's telling me that it is tea time. Tea for two. So let's uh, go boil some water. And, and well, <laughs> no, we want to simmer some water and uh, make ourselves a pot of tea. How's that sound? That sounds good, Wayne. Although, good. when you said tea time, I was thinking it was time to get out the golf clubs. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's one of these days we'll have to do a, a show on 
on golf and golf paraphernalia. But do you play golf? I do. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. You know, I I enjoy it, but I'll tell you that uh, that windmill on the third tee just always messes me <laughs> up. That's good. That's good. Okay, putt putt. That's right. All right, we're done. Bye bye. All right. <laughs> You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. WorthPoint.